Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, and whether you call Collective your church home or you are just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take the next step in your journey toward the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Collective Online. We're so thankful that you're joining us this morning. Like last week, I want to start by sharing a few announcements with you all. For those of you who are ready for your second cup of coffee, go ahead and turn up the volume so you can keep listening while you head to your kitchen to pour another cup. Don't forget cream and sugar, though, because straight black coffee is disgusting. Um, Also, all the coffee people are about to start sharing what they think in the chat. I'm sorry for everyone else who wasn't ready for that. You can just ignore them. I want to start today by talking about Easter. Easter is just a few weeks away, and as you all know, we will be celebrating Easter online because this is our new normal for a while. And even though it's different, it's going to be amazing. We're going to work on a few ways to connect with you all. We're going to be adding an additional song for worship. We'll have amazing Collective Kids content available. It's going to be great. And as weird as this may sound, doing church online is a great opportunity for you to invite your friends to Collective. Over the past few weeks, we've heard encouraging stories about people checking out our services online who never would have had the opportunity to come on a Sunday or people who checked it out online who were a little bit too nervous to show up at West Frederick Middle School, and that's awesome. So Easter online is no different. This week, we'll be posting a Facebook event to get the word out about our online Easter service, and we want you to invite your friends to check it out. Just because we're online doesn't mean the vision of the church changes. We're still a church for the rest of us. We still still do our best to create space for people to bump into Jesus and experience the grace and hope and life that he offers. So I just want to encourage you right now in this season to be bold. Send an invite and let God do the rest. The second thing is we're communicating majorly through Facebook and Instagram right now. This is because we don't want to flood your inbox with more emails. So you need to make sure that you're following us online at My Collective Church. We share regular updates and we'll be creating other opportunities for you to connect in the coming weeks. Now, if you're like me, your Facebook is being crushed right now and you're seeing the same post over and over and over again, which means you're probably missing out on the things that we are actually sharing, the things that you actually want to see. So the way around that is to head to our Facebook page and right under the video is a button that says following. When you click on that, you can actually choose when you see our content. Typically default is selected, but we would like to encourage you to click see first. This will make sure you stay up to date on what's going on at Collective as you share additional Collective Kids resources, share needs in our community, share about midweek opportunities for you to connect with us, pray with us and learn more about what's going on at Collective. Now, this is really important, so I'm actually going to give you some time to do it right now. So I'm just going to stand here and stare awkwardly at the camera until you do it. Okay, I'm just kidding. I can't do that forever. That was weird. Okay, Uh, how about this? I'm going to bribe you. So we have some extra 1745 shirts that we'd like to give away. These were shirts that we handed out last November. Uh, And what we would like for you to do is we would like for you to take a screenshot of you changing your setting to see first. Then what you can do is you can tag my collective church and we're going to give away five of these shirts. We will mail these shirts to you this week. Yes, we are bribing you. No, we don't feel bad. We would love for you to see what our content is first and stay tuned with what's going on at Collective. And I know for some of you, you're 
wondering, hey, if you already have a shirt, can you get a second shirt? Sure. Just make sure to take a screenshot, tag my collective church, and post it online. And you have until midnight tonight to do so. And then we'll give out five shirts next week. All right. So let's jump into the teaching for today. We're in week four of our series called Intimacy. That's all about having real friendships and an Instagram culture. And as we've been going through this series, one question that has, that has been asked more than any other is I've realized that there are friendships that I have that are unhealthy. What do I do? What do I, what do, I do? I've realized that there are people in my life that I have allowed inf- to influence me because I've let them be in my crew, but I know that I need to make a change. How do I approach this? And ultimately, the question that a lot of us are wrestling with right now is, how do I unfriend someone? Over the past few weeks, we've been using this diagram to talk about our friendships. And last week, I shared with you all about how to invest in your friendships in order to move them inward. How to move a crowd to community and community to core. This week is all about how to remove people from the circles that they shouldn't be in. Because some of you have people in your core, and all they do is bring you down, and you don't want to move on with them. Some of you are a part of a community that has a culture of toxicity, and you need to figure out how to walk away. Or maybe you're like me, where there's someone in your life that isn't in your crew, that isn't in your inner circle, but you allow them to impact you as if they are. And that brings a ton of pain and brokenness in your life. How do I unfriend someone? And this is not just about unfriending people online. A few months ago, I joked um, on a Sunday morning that one of my favorite things to do is unfriend people on social media. And I want you all to know that I still unfriend people all the time who I don't want to be a part of my life. But instead of straight unfriending everyone, I've decided to start unfollowing people. It's great. You should try it. If you post too many hashtags, I unfollow you. If every picture is of your cat, I unfollow you. If you have a social media account for your animal, I won't accept your friend request, and I will probably unlike your personal account. And that isn't because I don't like animals. I just think that's weird. If you post memes that have spelling mistakes or grammatical errors, I unfollow you. And some of you totally understand that. Listen, my master's degree is in English, and the fact that Facebook doesn't have an algorithm that automatically deletes memes or GIFs with spelling mistakes literally crushes my soul. All joking aside, though, there are people you are connected to on social media that you shouldn't be connected to anymore. So the question is, how do I unfriend people? How do I remove toxic people from my life? Because if they're a close friend, it means we've given them access to our heart. We've given them access to influence and shape us. And sometimes the result is that we're being shaped in ways that we don't want to be. So today is all about unfriending. Because sometimes we don't just need to unfollow someone, we need to unfriend them. And I know that some of you are thinking that this sounds harsh, right? Because Jesus loves everybody, which is true. But like we talked about a few weeks ago, when Jesus was doing his ministry on earth, he loved everybody the same, but he didn't treat everybody the same. Everyone did not have the same access to Jesus. Everyone did not have the same opportunity to speak into his life. Everyone did not have the same impact on his heart. And that is a tension that we need to navigate in our friendships. So today, I want to be clear. We are not talking about being mean to people. We are not talking about casting people aside. We're not talking about not giving people inherent worth because they are creations of God. I'm not saying that. 
Jesus didn't say that, so I'm not going to say that. But we need to make wise decisions about our friendships and the ones that we allow to play significant roles in our lives. So here's the big picture for today. This is where I want you to start taking notes, taking screenshots, whatever is best for you. It is impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. It is impossible for you to live the right life with the wrong friends. And the thing is, we don't even need the Bible to know that that's true. But check out Proverbs 22. It says, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Right? There are some people that we don't need in our lives because of the impact that they have on our soul. And for some of us, this is really difficult. Right? This isn't a black and white issue. And the truth is we like things to be black and white. We like things to be easy. We like things to be solvable. But this isn't a problem to solve as much as, as it is a tension to be managed. It's a tension that we're called to step into today if we want to have the best friendships possible. Because it's impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. So I want to start with this. Uh, and then we're going to get to some really practical teaching for today. As we talk about unfriending, a, a question that a lot of you are wondering is, do all of my friends have to be Christians? And so I want to address this. I, I would say that your inner circle does. Because your inner circle are people that you lean on, whether you mess up or life falls apart. And I know for me personally, when that happens in my life, I need people who understand grace. I need people who know the, that eternal hope comes through Jesus. So when things fall apart, they can give me that perspective. They can remind me of those truths. Or, or when I mess up, not if, but when I mess up, they can talk to me about grace. Because if they don't have those two things, they're going to be speaking empty platitudes in my life. And they're not actually going to be helping me long term. So for me personally, my inner circle has to be people who follow Jesus. But... I limit my friendships to those people who push me to be a better person and a better follower of Jesus. Now, please hear me when I say this, because I'm choosing these words very intentionally. I limit my friends to those who push me to be a better person and a better follower of Jesus. There are Christians who push me to be a better dad. There are Christians who push me to be a better friend. There are Christians who push me to be a better follower of Jesus. But there are some Christians who do not strengthen my relationship with God. Maybe they spew spiritual cliches that maybe mean something to them, but they don't mean anything to me. Maybe they grow in ways different than I do. Maybe they have convictions that are different than mine. But the reality is, for whatever reason, I've met a lot of Christians who love and believe in and follow Jesus, but do not challenge me to love, believe in, and follow Jesus more. Now, I need to have humility to be able to learn from anybody, but not everybody is going to be someone who really pushes me. So just because someone follows Jesus doesn't mean we're friends. We might be in the same community together, maybe even in the same crowd, but that doesn't automatically put you in my closest circles. Now let's talk about people who don't follow Jesus. There have been times in my life when the majority of my friends didn't follow Jesus, and I let myself be caught up in what they were doing. Remember Proverbs 13, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. Too many times in my life, I've chosen to associate with fools and I've gotten in a lot of trouble for that. I started think, saying things I didn't want to say, thinking things I didn't want to think and doing things that I didn't want to do. However, I have friends who don't follow Jesus who push me to be a better person and a better follower of Jesus. 
Maybe they ask questions that make me read my Bible more to better understand why I believe what I believe. Maybe they challenge me because their perspective is different than mine and I want to seek to understand how Jesus can relate to them in their circumstances. Maybe my heart goes out to them, so I pray for them more. Maybe I want them to know the love of Jesus, so being friends with them results in me serving them more. I'll give you an example. My childhood best friend does not follow Jesus, but I love spending time with him and catching up. We don't get to do it as often as I would like. He works and lives in Tyson's Corner. He runs his own business. But when I'm in that area and our schedules match up, we always make sure to grab lunch. And we'll catch up on everything. Family, work, I talk about my girls. He talks about his foster dogs. We have been friends since we were six. He was the first friend I called when my parents got separated. I officiated his wedding. He was one of my groomsmen. But he does not believe in God. When we were in high school, he kind of did the Catholic church thing, but that was mostly because his mom made him. When he went to college, he still believed in God, but he completely walked away from organized religion. And today he would say he believes in a higher power, but he doesn't do church, he doesn't do God, he doesn't do any of the Christian stuff. He doesn't want anything to do with the whole Jesus thing. And the last time we were sitting down and talking about life, I asked him what it would take for him to visit Collective. And he kind of had this nervous laugh and then he started talking about how much he believed in me and Ray and he knew that we would make a difference, but he never actually answered my question. But just because I am a pastor and he thinks God doesn't exist doesn't mean we can't be friends because being friends with him actually strengthens my faith because I pray for him. I'm thinking about how I live my life and how I can show him Jesus through my marriage or how I raise my kids or how I am a friend toward him. So do all my friends have to be Christians? No, but I do believe that every relationship should move you closer to Jesus and help you grow in one way or another. So there are two takeaways for today. And the first one is this, you can end friendships. You are allowed to unfriend people. I know this is hard to understand because we actually grew up in a culture and we grew up and we were taught that we needed to be friends with everybody. That's just not true. A few months ago, I was out with my daughter at Chick-fil-A, which is a very common theme for our life. We don't know what we're going to do right now. Maybe drive through and then run around the parking lot for a while, but it's something we've done for multiple years. But one of the times we went just a few months ago, uh, I was finishing up lunch and she was in the play place. She came bounding out with a very concerned look on her face. She says, Dad, I don't want to play a game with that boy. And I think, good. Like, you should never play with boys. Don't talk to boys. You don't need to worry about that. But of course, it's Elise, and she tells me things all the time that I really have no idea what she's talking about. So I tried to get her to explain a little bit more of what was going on. And she told me that she went into the play place and she wanted to play with her doll, but one of the boys that was in there wanted her to play hide-and-go-seek. And when Elise declined, the boy told her that she had to play with him, but Elise didn't want to. And so she came out to tell me, and I told her to go back into the play place and politely tell the boy, no, thank you, and then go do whatever she wanted to do. And that backfired. The little boy got upset and he went and told his mom. Apparently no one's ever told that kid that snitches get stitches. But I listened as the mom told her son that she didn't know why the girl was not being nice and playing with him. And it took everything in me not to yell at this parent because that mindset is incredibly unhealthy, right? We don't have to be friends with everyone. Now we should treat everyone with honor and dignity, but the idea that everyone has to be friends with everyone, that we can't have boundaries in our friendships or in the relationships or even in the circles that we do have, that we can't choose not to spend time with someone, 
That unhealthy behavior has led a lot of people to developing toxic friendships and unhealthy friendships. And the truth is some of you are in those right now. Dr. Lillian Glass wrote in a Time Magazine article titled, How to Tell If You Are in a Toxic Relationship, that unhealthy friends are any relationship between people who do not support each other, where there's conflict and no one seeks uh, cohesiveness, where there's disrespect, where people choose to undermine each other. She, She continued that while every relationship goes through ups and downs, a toxic relationship is consistently unpleasant and draining for the people in it to the point that negative moments outweigh the positive ones Uh, in the overall relationship. Dr. Kristen Fuller added that unhealthy friendships are mentally, emotionally, and and even physically damaging to one or both participants. Does that describe any of the friendships that you have? Is there disrespect? Is there dishonor? Is being friends with that person draining for you? Does it feel damaging? The truth is you can end that friendship or at least you can move those people outside of your inner circle. You can choose to push them further into your community or even into your crowd. Listen, even Jesus had to call out Peter and put up boundaries in his friendship. In Matthew 16, Jesus is looking at his, at his apostles. This is his core group of guys. And he's telling them, he's predicting his death. And he says, I'm gonna die a brutal death. He says, I'm gonna be dead for three days and then come back to life. Side note, this is why we put our hope in Jesus, right? Right? This is why we trust Jesus because Jesus is the only religious figure in human history to claim to be the way to God, then back it up by calling his shot. And what he did was he proved that by coming back to life. He overcame the most restricted, restrictive thing in our universe, death. And he made a way for you and I to have a relationship with God. So he beat death so that we could experience life. That's why we take him seriously. That's why we trust Jesus when it comes to our relationships. And in Matthew 16, he's telling his apostles that this is about to happen to him. He's about to die and resurrect from the dead. And someone in his inner circle, someone who loves him, says something really dumb. Check this out in Matthew 16. Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. But look how Jesus responds. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, Peter would eventually show remorse and they would reconcile that relationship. We're actually going to talk about that next week. But Peter, who was Jesus's best friend, almost watched his relationship end because he was being selfish. And Jesus wasn't going to let Peter slow him down and stop him from doing what he came to earth to do. The message, which is a paraphrase of the Bible, says it like this, and I love it. But Jesus didn't swerve. I feel cool saying swerve. I know I'm not. I feel like that's what teenagers would say. But Jesus didn't swerve. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. Jesus calls Peter out and shows us that he understood that it is impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. If you have relationships that bring you more pain than peace, more anger than joy, move you further away from who God calls you to be. You need to figure out if those relationships are ones that you should continue to have or are they friends that you should walk away from or friendships where you can at least redefine and put up some boundaries so that person doesn't have a large impact on your life. Either way, you choose who has an influence in your life and who shapes who you are as a person. 
because you don't have to let those people be in your inner circles. I've used this illustration before, but I think this is the best way to picture it. When you think about your relationships, think about a dinner table. Now, some of us would just have a few seats. Extroverts would have one of those tables that has like gears inside and you like lift it out and 20 people can sit there. But no matter how big of a table, you get to decide who sits where. You get to decide who gets a seat. You get to decide what relationships you have, what voices you listen to, the people you want to trust. This is where your core group of friends should sit. This is where your crew should sit. These are the people who show you honor and grace and love. These are the people who push you to be a better person and a better follower of Jesus. And some of you have the wrong people sitting at your table and you need to get rid of them because it's unhealthy. And I know that this is hard to do. So let me share with you all from my own life because I'm not good at this, but I'm working on it. One of the main reasons why I see a counselor on a regular basis is because I've let people sit at my table that I shouldn't. In fact, it feels very weird to say this right now because I'm actually like looking you guys in the eyes. But just last week, I had to schedule a call with my counselor because I was struggling. There are people from my past who were kind of in my community, a little bit in my crowd, uh, but some people who are in my core circles who have hurt me. They said some things about me as a pastor, as a leader, and as a person. And the truth is, I just can't seem to shake them. And in my worst moments of insecurity, those voices come back up. And the truth is, I'm just terrible at letting go. So I was talking to my counselor, Matthew, about how some of the guys have actually popped back up in my life, are trying to speak into my life right now. And after listening for a few minutes, all he said was, you control who sits at your table. I get to choose who has a say in my life. I get to choose who gets a voice. I get to choose who gets a seat at my table. And I don't want to give a seat to these guys. I don't want to feel bad about it. And I don't have to feel guilty about that, right? I don't need to feel pressured to give people a seat at my table that don't belong there. I can choose to walk away, to block numbers, to delete emails, to unfriend them on social media. So that's what I did. I physically and digitally walked away. And the truth is, some of you need to do that. One of my favorite musicians right now is a rapper named Annie Minio. And he says it like this in one of his songs, it's none of my business. He says, if you don't like me, that's your problem. When I let it bother me, that's my problem. And I've got enough problems. There are some friendships you need to end. There are some friendships that you need to change. There are people right now on Facebook that every time they post, it brings you pain. Unfriend them. You are allowed to end friendships. You can give seats to other people at your table. You can unfriend people. But here's the catch, which I'm sure you saw coming. You are allowed to unfriend people, but that doesn't mean when you end these types of relationships, you can hurt them or take revenge, which leads to the second takeaway. You can end friendships, but you can't stop loving people. In fact, Jesus teaches us that even though these people might be toxic and even though they might hurt us and even though they did things to bring pain into our lives, we are still called to love them. Luke 6 says this, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Jesus teaches us to love our enemies 
to actually do good to those who hate us, to pray for those people who bring us down. But the thing is, he doesn't say that you have to stay friends with them. He doesn't say that you have to continue to give them a voice. He doesn't say that you have to continue to give them a seat at your table. You are allowed to unfriend people. You can redefine your friendships. You can create boundaries and still love people. In fact, sometimes loving people well means ending relationships that only bring pain. So who is at your table? Have you given the right people the opportunity to speak into your life? Have you given the right people the opportunity and the chance to speak into your heart? Do they help you become a better person and a better follower of Jesus? Do they want what's best for you? Do they show you what it's like to be treated with honor? Or are they unhealthy? Do they bring you down? Do they treat you as common? You have a choice who sits with you. Choose wisely because it is impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. Let's pray. God, I know um, for me personally, uh, I've always struggled to, to let people go. Uh, God, to, to move them out of circles, to, um, to be honest, block their number and, and, and unfriend them so that their voice is no longer in my head. But God, we know that we choose who sits at our table. We choose the people that we spend time with. God, we watched you do that with Peter, James, and John. You chose the three people that you want to be closest to, and you didn't allow anyone else to influence that. So God, I, I pray this week, as, as we wrestle with this, as we struggle with the idea of unfriending people, God, I, I pray that we have the courage and boldness to do so, to redefine boundaries, to take people that shouldn't be in our crew or our core or our inner circle and push them back out to our community or even the crowd. But God, I pray that we do so with honor. God, with love. God, I know it's not easy. It's not easy for me to pray for people who have hurt me. But God, time and time again, you teach us that for the people who have hurt us, for our enemies, for the people who brought us down, we're still called to love them, to want what's best for them and to pray for them. So God, help us figure out how to put the right people at our table. God, help us figure out how to remove the wrong people. But ultimately in that, help us do it in the right way. God, in a way that shows honor and grace and love, even though they don't deserve it, but in a way that honors you and shows you to them as well. God, help us figure that out this week. We love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.